Hey everybody, the con artist here. Uh, we're here to talk about our rolling review choice for winter of 2021, which was The Promised Neverland Season 2. Uh, it's just the three of us here. We lost Brendan, so there's me, Sue, Scott. Hello. And Dan. Hey. Uh, Brendan made a wise choice. Let's just go with that. <laughs> um... All right, so let's let's jump right in. I mean, season two. Yeah, season two, The Promised Neverland. I mean, who? what could have been more anticipated? Yeah. Follow-up to the extremely popular and well-made season one. The three of us were all in for this being our rolling review choice. No oh, yeah. questions asked. So we were super excited. So, yep. yeah. And you know what? I would say that the first one to maybe three episodes of the show were, were, were pretty okay. And then episodes four and onwards began a downward slide that just never seemed to end. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's Pretty the end much. of the good things. So That's it. That's, that's all it. I got to say that's about that's the good that's parts. It. it looked nice in those episodes, too. I complimented the art a little bit. All right, moving on. So where where do we even go, guys? Like, this this whole season was such a dumpster fire. Like, that's, that's the term we have yeah, to like, start with. <sighs> I think the, the the biggest thing for me was taking agency away from the kids. Like in season one, it was all about what do they know? What are they going to do with this information? And it was really tightly plotted with a handful of exceptions. This new season, it was like, oh, they're going to randomly stumble into this, you know, into, into something nice and then into something bad. And then something will come along and save them. Like they rarely make a decision that has any impact for... God, maybe like the whole first eight or nine episodes, like basically until they meet Norman, they don't even have any agency. And I was like, I mean, I guess an adventure show is fine, but it isn't even a good adventure show. Right, exactly. Like the first the first season, you know, it had its flaws here and there, but in general, it was very tense and it was very captivating because you were always wondering, okay, they're making some assumptions here. Are those the right assumptions? They're playing against someone who is, you know, uh, mom. The their right. Isabella captors. is like amazing yeah. villain. Exactly. Like she is very sharp. Like even for even before you realize what's going on, you know that she's you know she's a clever woman. And by the end of it, it's like she is you know like she is a she is very smart. She is physically intimidating. And she is utterly ruthless, but she does genuinely have some kind of twisted love for these children. So how is she going to react to all of this? How are they going to counteract that? What They have these three very different personalities from Emma being, you know, very physical and like focused on, you know, dealing with what is in front of her. Norman is trying to play like, you know, 3D chess and outsmart everyone. And Ray is more of like, how do we manipulate people and what's the... What what secrets can we glean? And so there's always this dynamic of how much information do they have? Is it the right information? Or is it going to get them in even more trouble? And how much each team, so to speak, knows about what's going on changes and evolves as we go. And in this season, it's just like, no, there's no, there's no tension. There's no mystery Everything right. is sort of explained. They're given a magic pen, which by the end of oh. it is just handing them everything they need. <laughs> a stupid pen. And they're no longer they're no longer struggling, really, or at least it doesn't feel like that, even if that's what the show is telling us. I think some of the other big problems at play, I um, I emphasized in my review, I believe it was episode eight, 
uh, commitment. The show has zero commitment to any of its mm. plot lines whatsoever. You know, it, it gives them the safe house. It takes it away. It shows us Isabella for a split second. It takes her away and she only shows up. Oh, heavens, for the for the worst scene ever. And it, it's really just this, you know, menagerie of ideas that they then rapidly retract and are like, no, 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 no just kidding. I didn't mean it like that. We're going to change the whole dynamic of, of this decision or, or this plot point completely to move on to what we, we have. And I don't know if this is just a matter of season one was a closed box problem right and i think the show was able to handle a closed box problem really really well with what it had what it chose to work with i'll go with that i mean we made a, a big compliment in season one where i said it, it used everything the anime medium has to offer to give us tension and suspense and and that horror feel this season like didn't know what to do with the open world like yeah it wasn't quite the same closed box so I guess not at all we're in the open world now and our kids I guess can't be smarter than the entire world but they also can there's time skips so it wasn't even committing to like a time frame properly and despite uh, having an open world to play with there's maybe four locations used in the entire uh, season yeah, they don't do a lot with that. I think a big part of it probably comes from, and I don't think anyone here in our team here has read the manga, but the narrative that, that the narrative was compressed is obvious even to someone who hasn't read the manga. You're like, there's no way this could have been the pace at which the story was told. Not even close. Yeah, it's a massive disaster in that effect. It just it crunches through anything and everything that would have built any sort of world building drama anything that would have led you to the finale which i'm not even sure is is the real finale we'll have we'll have words about that later on yeah but... i got a, a special thing planned for that yeah the finale episode is its own unique beast as if the whole show wasn't bad enough like this this was so bad i think there was no dramatic tension either you know like in season one just not only because of the idea of eating children is, is horrifying, but just the the visuals like really complemented all of that, right? Like the the horror and the the fear element of like these kids could get eaten in this horrifying way, like had me on the edge of my seat. And like this season had like kids' body parts in jars. It had that's how the whole sequence with Norman's backstory in the lab. And I was so like numbed out to it partially because it doesn't look that good like they used i don't even know what i'd call it um it wasn't quite cg but it was just very basic animation like they had the sequence where there was like a bunch of legs like kids legs in a jar but it's all just drawn with very basic cylindrical shapes that look flat in color so they don't look like body parts they just kind of look like stock image legs that somebody drew and added no texturing or anything to it and just kind of copied and pasted it into the jar it just doesn't have that visceral feel that makes you like for a show that uh i won't say that it's like there are some shows where they try to be shocking for the sake of being shocking there is a purpose to it especially in the first season uh whenever you see something terrible 
and it hits you really, really hard. Like, from episode one, they don't pull punches about that. I remember distinctly, like, when Isabella breaks um, Emma's, Emma's, was it her leg? arm or her leg, her right? Her breaks oh. her leg, oh. And, like, between the, like, you don't actually see it happen, but you hear it, and you see everything around it. And it is, like I said, it is visceral, it is nasty, and yet, in the second season, when they're trying to, like, up the stakes and show more of these kinds of, you know, terrible things happening, and there's some dark, like, body horror thing going on with some of the demons at different points, but it never feels real. It never feels tangible the way it did in the first season. And it's just, yeah, it's like, where did the where did the commitment to that go? I mean, ever since the kids got attacked by a random group of military soldiers, which were in turn eaten by a giant monster that came out of nowhere. Like, it just felt like the tension was gone. Like, okay, fine. Nothing bad is going to happen to any of these characters because something will come along to save them or get them out of, like, you know, they're no longer reliant on only themselves to get out of situations. The plot's just going to come along and save them. So I'm not really going to be worried about it. The fact that those monsters are often just these big CG blobs doesn't help either. Yeah, like, yeah. That's how the show opens, which in retrospect should have been a red flag, was everyone running away from a big CG blob. And it's like, huh, it's kind of a different tone. Which yeah. I suppose, yeah, could have been fine. Like you said, now we're in this big open world. Maybe it's going to be more about them, you know, kind of on a day-to-day -day survival sort of thing rather than this long plan to, you know, to escape from a one particular location. Okay, that makes sense. But no, that's not how it ended up. Like you said, it's just like random CG monster pops out of nowhere, changes the trajectory of the plot, and then we have to follow that for a while. Then like, oh man, they they messed it up and like got reve it got revealed in the side of this village full of demons. These demons are going to corner them. Now how are they going to get away from this? Well, Norman and his goon squad are going to show up and save them. Okay, maybe there's tension with the goon squad because these guys really want to kill those demons and they're not going to take no for an answer. Emma's not going to go along with that. Maybe there's going to be some like threat there because these guys are, you know, these guys are in it for the murder now. Nope, Norman just tells him, "Nah, don't we uh we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that anymore." Right, and they they buy off at it. They're like, "Yeah, okay. I guess I'll put aside my whole revenge arc." He's like, "You will?" I mean, "Okay, I guess." And they briefly fake you out by making you think that, which to be fair, I actually bought it. I bought the uh, fake out that they did. Uh, Me too. When, I thought Vincent was going to was yeah. gonna sell them out. Yeah. One of these dudes who's been like experimented on by the demons and everything who like was very clearly the qu the more quiet one of the group, but was also, you know, probably the most hate filled, uh, you know, radio basically radios the farm and says, I have information about these guys. I'm going to I'm going to turn him in. And then the very next episode like that, it's like, oh, no, he planned this with Norman. Like, OK, fair. But like in the previous season, it had very rarely been like we reveal the plan or the execution after the fact. We see the kids like going through their plans putting together materials, teaching the younger children this game of tag, which, to their credit, they refer back to in uh, yeah. the end of this season. So that was a nice little uh, way to uh, bring that full circle. So I suppose that's one more positive thing to say, but yeesh, is it a small one? I, yeah. I think another thing just to, I'm going to chain off of you, Dan, is there were so many moments that could have had impact right like 
the whole thing with Sanju and Mujika, right? This fascinating concept of demons who don't eat kids for religious reasons, right? There's some other, there, but they're somehow they are somehow still civilized. Yeah, because if demons um, you know, don't eat human flesh, we find out they start to degenerate and go insane. And there's this whole class thing where only the upper class get to have, like, the brains of the children, especially, like, the smarter kids. And so they keep the others in line with, like, you know, mass-produced, I don't know if they're cloned or whatever, mass-produced uh, body, par uh, body parts for the rest of them. And it's like, there's some really fascinating stuff in there. But right, that's, I mean, that's socioeconomics, and there's a real parallel to the, the world we live in, and that was all really interesting stuff. I even held out the hope that there was going to be this interesting sort of martyr scenario going on with Norman, because... Again? I, well, I agree with you, Scott, It is sort of his thing. It is his deal. It is, it is his dealio. I agree with you, Scott, that it was all, you know, very anime-esque, like, I've chosen the dark path. Don't do that. No, but I have. I mean, I'm too far down it to go back, right? That that classic scenario. However, I'm really attached to our, our core trio, right? And I think this compelling idea of Norman coming back and being like, well, I, I did this for you the first time, right? I thought I was going to die. They put me in this lab. They experimented on me a whole bunch. Now I'm, you know, basically on death's door and I am back now and I've made this decision. Because I think Norman, in a way, always thought of himself as the leader. You know, you've got like rebel bad boy and hopeful Mick optimism on the two legs of the triangle. And, and I think Norman, in a way, was that nice balance both charismatic and like strategic right exactly and so when he comes back i think he thought he would just reassume that leader role and be like all right guys here's my plan like you two help me out and the fact that they've both become their own people right like emma and ray have had to survive without him for however long that year or whatever they're their own people now and they've made their own decisions and they don't agree with him and he's not just going to reassume his role as leader like there's a real interesting like familial structure there you could you could talk about this idea of like almost like an older sibling coming back and being like I'm back to be your authority figure right and the younger siblings are like whoa 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 we've learned to survive without you and we don't totally agree with your ideals here that could have made for some really really interesting dynamics and we threw all of that away. Huh. Just, just, just resolve it in the on most the boring drop way of possible. A hat. Right. And also to kind of hop in there for a second, like I I, I agree with with your point about like the, the familial structures and like him trying to reassume leadership. However, I'm gonna take issue with Ray and Emma like kind of becoming their own people. Emma certainly. I don't think Ray did anything this season. You're correct. He, he just continuously was like the way I became my own person was I don't want to kill myself anymore. Like, I'm kosher with living now for the family. Right. I, which I, which I was agree. a moment he had in, like, the first five minutes of episode one. And then I don't think he did anything for the rest of the show. Yeah, I give agree. or take. Yeah. I agree. You're correct. I, I think I more meant it in a speaking just from a plot perspective sure right? plot like, wise i could see that being emma and ray was the intent yeah yeah the intent thank you dan yes Exe the execution yeah Ugh. yeah you're correct and honestly i don't even agree that emma became her own person she's just constantly like optimism mcgee which she was in the first season anyway it just carried over and got 
cranked to 11 spinal tap style and she was like i'm gonna save all the kids forever and the plot was like of course you are darling anything you want they did kind of get everything they wanted mm-hmm. <laughs> especially like her, especially her. exactly mm-hmm. yeah because in the first in the first season like her kind of optimism and her, you know, stick is what got her put in a situation where she was effectively crippled for a, for a while. While they skipped over a lot of it for, you know, time reasons, she was in a very bad place there. And between that and losing Norman, it was, you know, it was a serious toll on her. And, like, it re- eventually reaffirmed her determination to save everyone, and that's great and all, but... Like, if you're not going to force her to make sacrifices, or if you're not going to have her, you know, have to actually put in the effort to ensure that everyone else makes it out, uh, then it's just not going to feel rewarding. Right, because when they're like, you know, oh, we want to go to the city and, like, to, to get you guys some food, and, like, the two loudest people... Oh, don't even start never, me on this. ...ever ever take on an infiltration mission or like we want to go we want to go we want to go and emma's like okay it'll be fine and then it works out to be fine and you're like no like everyone here is playing like stupid ball oh there's so much idiot ball this uh this season to be fair to emma she said no but stupid don was like let's take them out of nowhere and i'm like you ah you idiot and exactly you see, it all goes to <laughs> hell well. that was my episode yeah it all goes Damn it, to Don, hell. i was starting to like you yeah, it all goes to hell in a handbasket. And I was like, of course it did. These idiots can't do anything. Why would you take them? This is a life or death situation here. Right. That's why I felt like it had no consequence. Like, this is life or death. If they catch you, you will die, and then the children will starve to death. And they're like, eh, let's just treat it like it's any other day. Like, it's cool. Like, kids want an adventure. Let them, let them have it. Right. Look how hopeful they look. Like, mm, no. And you know what? It turned out to be fine, not only because it was Norman, but also because, like, for some reason, the bad guys in this episode were, like, this bumbling duo of, like, demons that were practically comic relief. And it was like, well, way to let the gas out of the, like, demons are big and scary bag. Like, these guys, like, would would not be out of place in a Scooby-Doo episode. It also doesn't help that when they show demon society, it's so obviously just like, feudal human society, but with people eating, that we're, we're, they don't show, they either don't show enough of it to show that they've put enough thought into how it operates to make it interesting, or they're showing us, like, more than we need to. When the Demon Society was, like, you know, mysterious, and just all we knew about it was being highly stratified, that was literally all we knew, is that they eat people and that there is some kind of hierarchy. It was again. It was a mystery. It was what are these? What are these things like? What do they do? Are they? Do they even like? They use humans to do this dirty work for them because they think it's beneath them, I guess. But oh, then, like Isabella and company, yeah, exactly. And you know, obviously, those people have like privileged positions, but they're in. You know, it's like they could just decide. All right, well, you have failed us. You're on the menu now, and. Like, so there's a lot of interesting dynamics uh, there with, you know, people who are part of a subservient or conquered or otherwise disenfranchised people who are still part of the system that, you know, beats down everyone else or, or uh, 
or abuses everyone else. And then, no, it's like, well, no, they're just, like, demons just live like humans do, only they eat folk. That's really about the extent of it. It was when pretty lame. This, yeah, it's really lame. And there's, it's not alien enough to be, like, creepy and weird. It's not familiar enough to also fall into that, like, uncanny valley, really. Like you said, it's just, like, a bunch of bumbling medieval peasants running around trying to, uh, trying to catch a prize hog, only in this case, you know, it's a kid. It's a kid. Which should be terrifying, or, like, weird, or make you think, or any of that kind of stuff. But no, like you said, it's just kind of this goofus thing going on until, like, they're both murdered horribly by one of the, uh, by one of, uh, again, one of the goon squad under Norman. Yeah, and I, I think it, it doesn't help either that, once again, the show uses, so when the, when the bioweapon goes off, right, when Norman and company set that off, they use a bunch of repeated footage, I don't know if you guys noticed, but they were, like, copying <laughs> and pasting sequences and just rotating through them, so... You didn't really get that horror effect, and, like, because, like you said, Dan, they're they're just foreign enough looking that, you know, they're, they're not, we don't have any attachment to them, per se, and then when they're all screaming, like, oh, someone, like, you know, turn, get, basically give my dad, like, super cancer, or whatever, or, like, you know, husbands are eating wives and whatnot, you're just kind of, like, I don't care about any of this. It, it all just feels like stock footage for the sake of it. It also had that Elena feeling like, don't you feel bad? And I'm like, <sighs> not yeah. really. Like yesterday, these people were trying to eat us. Like, it's not like the, you know, the regular demons are right. Like, they're not bad people, but they're also trying to eat you. So it's like, I don't know how bad I can really feel. And like, you haven't really sold me on the humans and demons are the same people in different bodies like exactly like thing. they're all fighting right for for it, it's that tragic ideal and you know what it needed i'm gonna sound like a terrible person it needed norman to stab that little girl that's what it needed it needed a moral event horizon yeah it's lack of commitment uh, right right on display there where it's like first of all norman i don't know what you're doing going into the city with a knife like <laughs> everyone everyone down there is going wild and eating whoever they come across like what's your plan especially you the anemic kid right like i don't know what you're playing but now that you are down there like what you, like then they find the girl who's like not only has the same name as someone he likes uh by complete coincidence but also like looks the most human oh of course yeah like, he's ridiculous and, like, yeah. right there, that Ugh. that entire sequence was where the show, like, completely, like, all of the wind went out of its sails. Like, every, there, there was a good chunk, like, six episodes up before that point that were a struggle. You know, there's a lot of people just sitting around and talking, tons of exposition oh without God, really... Oh, wouldn't stop talking. So much exposition. Like, that was just a pacing nightmare. But then we get to the... Then we get to this, which is supposed to be, you know, the emotional, like, climax up until that point. And... They've been trying to do this whole, you know, humans and demons are both, you know, have both have monstrous tendencies and like, oh, but these demons are just kind of, they're trapped in a cycle too. It's like, okay, like, those are all very interesting and good points with no, like, clean, clear answer. And, you know, what can you do with a society where their very survival depends on your death? That, that is a, it, do you, are you mad at you know, herbivores for fighting uh, carnivores if it means that they survive. 
Like, that is, there's some interesting stuff to do there. But then Norman commits, like, half of an atrocity, and then all is forgiven. I mean, it's not even, it's not even all is forgiven. It's just no one ever brings it up again. No one brings it up again, and then the villagers are all on their side because we have the magic blood from Mujica. Okay, I was who, about to say, we're getting <laughs> too cures deep. We haven't even talked everything. about the Deus Ex Maki blood over here. <laughs> like, right, like, by the way, it turns out there is a solution to everyone's problems forever. Absolutely. And it's this one girl's, well, not one girl. It's even, it's even worse than that. It's this one girl, and every time she gives her blood to anyone else, their blood now becomes, like, able to basically if the demons drink her blood they become free of the defects that cause them to go feral if they don't eat human flesh and it's like okay well is there some kind of is there kind of trick to that like she can't get she's tiny she can't give up so much blood at any one time no she can just give enough to feed an entire village apparently and then all of them are now not only immune but able to pass that immunity on to everyone else and she's not even the only one. There's a bunch of these demons kicking there's around. There's at least three that you know of that have it. And then, like, right. on top of that, they don't really get into the whole, like, okay, like, if I told you tomorrow, Dan, that I had a, a special thing that would made it so you didn't need to eat, like, beef, would you be like, oh, thank goodness, I'm freed from the obligation to have a steak? <laughs> or would you still just, like, kind of like steak because it's delicious? Like, we didn't even get into that. Right. Well, we did briefly with um, Sanju. That was his thing. That was he, his thing. Right. He, he was wanted a fascinating to, He wanted guy. to eat people, but he wanted to he wanted to hunt them. He wanted to do it, you know, old school because he thought that was he thought that was okay. I mean, everyone knows wild caught Alaskan salmon's the best kind. So like exactly, yeah. yeah. So and like there is again some interesting stuff where it's like, okay, you are you know, yeah, you're you're helping these people now, but you're a monster. You basically want to devour their children. You just you know. Just you just want to get it off on a technicality, but all of this, yeah, it's like you have this perfect solution to all of your problems. The only thing stopping you, only thing I say, is basically that the demon hierarchy has suppressed these people because they're a threat to their power structure. Because they can, because if they can't manipulate, you know, the peasantry by controlling their supply from the farms, then their power essentially goes poof, and now the now that people can rise up or do whatever. But we ain't got time for all that. <laughs> no, so. we do have time for, Dan, is some sisters with machine guns. So oh, you should oh talk about God. sisters with machine guns. So after they solve everyone's problems forever using the magic blood... They invent hot air balloons. It's, it's time to go back and save everyone from the farms, so they make a bunch of hot air balloons to, like, I guess, distract everyone and get over the pits to get back into the farms. Like, that whole sequence, because, like, up to this point, oh. the kids have been like, we're struggling to survive. We got bows made out, we got bows made out of sticks. Our arrows are just, like, you know, they don't even have arrowheads. They're just pointy, they're just pointy bits of wood. And then it's like, well, it's a good thing. Like, my plan relies around, like, air, hot air balloons. And it's like, all right, that's already an impossibility. He's like, about two dozen hot air balloons. And you're like, what? What? And he's like, no, they're right over there. Like, they're, they're parked. We got to go. We're ready. Like, they're, what they're, is they're, happening? they're just sitting there. I think the, the, the overarching theme right there, the, the moment that defines that whole thing is what I meant to say, is that flashback in the lab, Scott, where Norman just like looks at the camera and is like, I can make some explosives. And you're like, no, you can't. No, you can't. You, you're in this lab being watched by a camera all the time. 
You have nothing which can make an explosive. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am fully aware that if you have enough chemistry knowledge, you can make an explosive out of household stuff under your kitchen sink cabinet. Like, that is possible. But... Norman does not have access to any of these things. And he's just like, in a serious voice, like, I can make some explosives. <laughs> so you know what, Scott? I can make some hot air balloons. You can, make, you can obviously also make hot air balloons. And then the magic pen can come. Like, the only thing he doesn't know how to make is a magical cure for super disease. But you know what? The pen's got that. Like, somewhere off screen, that gets fixed. That was just a I think there was, like, a montage where they picked herbs, and it's like, I guess they're cured? No, 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 Who's no, no. It say? was even worse, Scott. They look, they they open the pen, the magic pen that, the cap that uh, old guy gives them, Vilk or whatever, and he's like, I ate this random kid in this plot device scene that none of oh you are going to ask me about, and in his hand was this pen cap that I knew I needed to keep until the right moment which is now and then gives it to them and it's an entire blueprint of grace field where the demon the door to the human world is under there and then as norman's finger is scrolling on the blueprint he points to a chemical symbol in the left corner and brings vincent over and they both go oh this is the cure to our cancer I, I need to tell a story about this moment to you, too, just for everyone in the audience to understand how bad this show was. So this is episode nine, okay? This moment happens where they find the cure for cancer. And, like, I actually started laughing so hard and clapping. I was like, I needed this. As if this episode wasn't the worst. I needed this moment where, and then they found a cure for cancer. So my husband looks at me and he's like, this is so awful. I am done here. You are on your own. And he got up and walked away. And I was like, you're not going to watch the last two? And he's like, no, good luck with that. So I need everyone to understand that this is marriage shatteringly bad. This show is marriage destroying strain on your relationship. Yeah, like he just walked away and he never saw episodes 10 and 11. He's a so. better man. He is. Mm -hmm. He's just For not having seen them because, wow. He, he we'll get is. there in a moment. But Good job, honey. So... I just need everyone to understand this, that it's it's marriage-shatteringly bad. But, yeah, I mean, who wants to take it through 10 and 11? Because 9 was such a highlight. <laughs> but mm -hmm. 10, 10 has sisters with guns. I'm just going to say I am so glad that I got 9 because it, because I was dreading having to do the final episode because I thought there were 12. <laughs> That's a good point. I knew there were 11, and I was like, it's me here at the finale. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, honestly, like, I mean, like, 10 is just twist-a-rama. Like, every couple seconds, there's a new twist. And like, oh, well, the, the balloons are here. Twist, there's no one in them. Twist, there is someone in them. Like, like, twist, we know how to hack computers. And then, like, twist again. Oh, they got unhacked, and, like, now you're surrounded. But wait, the surrounders have turned on the people ordering them. But wait, the demons are here. But wait, it turns out the demons are actually rebelling. And it's like, all right. I need you to calm down, episode 10. All of this in the span of 24 minutes. Right, like, I, like even going it through it beat by beat is almost pointless. It's just, it's just every stupid thing you can imagine until, and you know what, and the end result is the kids got exactly what they wanted and no one got hurt. Like, everything was perfect forever. Except for episode 11, where Peter Rotary right. kills himself. The show desperately wants to cram some BS about William Minerva oh, and how House cares? Rotary 
Yeah, they were like House Rotteries, you know, the elder brother, William Minerva. They're also the same family who made, like, the the agreement with the basically demons. Basically why humans are now, uh, right, are now right. meals. Exactly, why they're, you know, basically just farmed. And what was really interesting was, like, my, my husband actually... Get, when he left me for the show, he, he went and he read a bunch of the manga synopsis because he was so enraged. And he's like, you know, they go into a whole segment about the the elder Rotary brother and that lineage and that family. The agreement they made with the demons is called the promise, right? This is why it's the promise Neverland. So, like, it has a tie-in. There. Are, there's there's reasons behind it. It's so heartbreaking what they did here. So they cram all that in, and then just to to kill me a little bit, right? They get the kids through the magic door, send them to freaking New York City where they get smartphones <laughs> and clothes and get to ride on trains and stuff. And then, then friends, it's a montage. They oh, play yeah. a montage of Emma and company staying behind and changing the world. And there's this just one singular shot of a space dragon on a giant yeah. lake with the sky. I was like, no, just this shot alone. Like, what is whole? Yeah, that, that whole that whole sequence. Like, I would say before whole. this, I was like vaguely interested in being like, huh. I wonder how the manga did all of these things that are obviously being compressed. The final episode has poisoned the promised Neverland well so thoroughly for me that I don't want to know. I don't ever want to read or consume anything involved with this ever again. Like, because it's pretty much every plot beat for the entire rest of the manga in clip show format for like five minutes. And it's like, well, now I super don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I guess my rage flipped over to anger, flipped over to curiosity. So I feel like I might at some point just for my own benefit, but it's so low on my priority list. Like, I really do just feel sick watching season two. I feel my, my two th lines of thought, because I, I kind of want to end with what, if you guys have any theories, but my two lines of thought are, between the the mangaka and Cloverworks, I guess I have three lines of thought. I'm sorry, the mangaka and Cloverworks, like somebody insulted somebody's mother, and they were just <laughs> like, "We're done here. Like this deal is off." And one party walked away, and Cloverworks was just like, "All right, burn it to the ground." Reason two is that Cloverworks dumped every ounce of effort they had into Wonder Egg Priority because they were doing that and Promise Neverland this season. And they were like, abandon ship, abandon ship. Like, we can't, like, have the same amount of effort. Just kill this thing because we don't want to be responsible for it. Burn it to the ground. The third reason, which I think is probably the most reasonable, is the Promised Neverland manga is done. I don't know when volume 18 dropped, you know, in, in Japan versus here in America, but it's done and has been done for a little bit. My guess is somebody in the bigwig seat was like, we can't sustain the popularity of this anime now that the manga is complete. So kill it off now and let's move on to something else more current and therefore profitable. That's my genuine guess as to what happened. And that breaks my heart a lot because 
you know, the, it, it really just continues to solidify this fact that the anime is always an afterthought for the the original work, the, the manga. And I just hate that. Like, I don't have time and money to read tons and tons of manga. But, you know, watching a 20-minute episode is, you know, it's a lot of fun for me. And it's how I have some bonding time with, with my husband. And, and to destroy a show that had so much promise, haha. <laughs> like huh. crushes me a lot that they made that choice to to you know crumple it up and just throw it onto the cutting room floor probably because they didn't think they could make any more profit off of it i genuinely would have preferred them to just stop after season one and leave it a mystery yes. whether the kids made it or not it would have been a better you know it it would have been a better experience I don't think there is a season two of The Promised Neverland now that I'm done with it. <laughs> like, I think, I think you know, the first Matrix movie was all there was. Same thing for the season one of Promised Neverland. Oh, yeah, fair point. I can, I can keep dreaming of what it would be like if they made more, but whatever. Uh-huh. Good thing they never did. Good thing they never did. Yeah, I think that third scenario is, I think it's a mixture of, like, definitely there were serious, I guess, production problems at Cloverworks. Like, apparently someone was saying that they were essentially going to Twitter to ask for animators to join their team to help finish things up. Oh my gosh. Like that's the level of desperation we were looking at. And I certainly don't know why they chose to take the like most popular manga in the world and give that to the B team and get the, put the A team on Wonder Egg priority, but I'm glad they did. Uh, but like, yeah, I think they ran out of time and money. And also the production company probably made the decision that there wasn't going to be a third anything or a movie or whatever. So they were like, well, let's put in a desperate pitch for people to read the manga. And they just kind of, as in my opinion, they pushed too, too far in doing that. Like, it's not a good pitch to read the manga for me, at least, like I said, I don't want to see it anymore, but you said you may, you might want to check it out. Maybe it worked. Yeah. And I, I will never give credit that it worked. That's just for my own self-satisfaction because I really loved season one. I was super into it and I thought it had really neat themes. And so the only reason I would chase is just because I feel bad for the author and the illustrator. <laughs> Genuinely, no way did season two work anything. So Right, like it should be noted that uh, episodes 10 and 11 do not have a credited script writer. Like whoever was doing it, they're like, I don't want my name on that. <laughs> yeah, leave me out of this. Like they knew, everyone knew at that point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you said, it's a it's a real shame. And it's not even like, oh, you know, this is bumping up against the reality of the business. It's like this is this is the business sucking the marrow out of the bones of something that should have been great. And yeah, it's just it's such a shame because it was a very unique show in a it kind of very like i said just very uniquely placed in terms of both tone age range for the audience and the characters and style and when it evolved from as sue put it a closed box to an open world that transition was not handled well in the adaptation and if it was in fact you know because people just didn't care because they knew it was going to get canned after the fact it's an even greater shame hmm Oh. I, I always like to say you can always tell something 
you can always tell when someone enjoys what they're working on because even if it's not necessarily good or like great it comes through that someone is enjoying their time on here so at least they're having fun with it it doesn't feel like anyone had fun no, especially this, by the oh end of this gosh, season oh my gosh it reeks of depression yeah the only fun thing in that whole show was those two annoying loudmouth kids every once in a while they'd have a little comedy act about finding another can of lemon wedges or whatever and i was like yeah all right i'm glad you two are having a fun time so like that must that was it everything else was just forget like, you scott i lost it completely and so isabella with a machine gun made my life i was like <laughs> yes give that woman a machine gun yeah get him <laughs> so I, I was i was a lost cause holy moly oh boy yeah i mean avoid like the plague pretend it doesn't exist that's probably the best way. Like, I would, it never it never happens. I would just say if you have any interest in the Promised Neverland as a property at all, just read the manga in its entirety and then maybe watch season one because they did a good job of animating that idea. And I do love the way they used anime as a medium to portray that chunk of the story. Yeah, like... The only time to watch season two would be as a case study in how things go wrong. Like, that's it. Right. Right. Just don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. So, thank freaking goodness Fruits Basket is next. Oh, Fruits Basket, baby. Oh. You, they better stick that landing. Oh, boy, yeah. It's gonna happen. Like, if they it's mess that happen. up after Jeez. this, I am going to be very, very put out. Ugh. All right, well, we tried. Let's never speak of this again. Mm, agreed. All right, well, until next time. See you, folks. Have a good one. Kimmy, <laughs> to